Eric Hyped is here to join us uh, about the Sterling Higgins case. This is TNHoller.com. is where you can find us at the TNHoller on Twitter and Facebook. Appreciate everybody joining us on a Sunday afternoon. As you all know, we are in the midst of a troubling time. Protests everywhere. Protests Nashville. Protests Memphis. All throughout the state. All throughout the country. Uh, over the George Floyd case where we saw uh, Officer Neil on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes until he died. Obviously, there have been a lot of instances of police brutality over the course of the past 100 years, 400 years, pick your time frame, especially recently. But we actually do have one here in Tennessee that deserves and commands our attention. And that's what I want to talk about here today. It's renewed in the conversation because of a video that has surfaced and shows a officer, corrections officer, doing a similar thing to what Chauvin did, uh, Officer Chauvin did to Sterling Higgins. So today we're gonna talk to Eric Hyped, civil rights attorney who is representing the Sterling Higgins estate in the Sterling Higgins case. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing all right, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate it, especially on a Sunday. I know this happened 15 months ago. Can you just sort of tell us, uh, give the lay of the land of what initially happened in this case and how it was handled? Are you talking about before we got involved? Yes, okay, well, so I, I guess I assume that you've been involved for 15 months, is that wrong? That is not, uh, that's not correct. That's not correct. Okay, how about you tell me about your involvement in the case and how that started? Okay, uh, our involvement in the case uh, started, I would say, in the last eight months or so. So the incident happened um, back in March of last year. And at that time, the, uh, at the time of the incident, the case was presented to a grand jury for the possibility of recommending criminal charges. And the grand jury declined to recommend those charges, but it turned out later that the district attorney didn't show crucial videos to the grand jury. And uh, we think that was a pretty grave miscarriage of justice. Uh, so no criminal charges were filed. Not only that, but we believe that the medical examiner probably wasn't given the crucial videos either. And therefore, the cause of death was determined to be uh, excited delirium. And we were later contacted by the family and obtained the records, looked at it, and believed it was a case worth pursuing. So we spent time putting together a federal civil rights case based mainly on excessive police force, failure to intervene, and uh, failure to secure medical care for Mr. Higgins resulting in his death. So let me just walk through, as, as I understand them, the, the beats of what happened. He was, ha he was 37 years old. That's he was having a, a mental issue, a psychotic break, so to speak, is how it was described? So to speak, he was uh, in a mental health crisis. He was the one who placed the initial call to 911. 
Right. That is a really important detail. He called 911 because he felt like he was being followed. He was feeling fear. Yes. He was at a store. The police came. He agreed to leave the store, then didn't leave the store. And then eventually the police took him into custody and brought him to the jail. And at the jail is where the video starts. And the video is 25 minutes long. So I believe that's part of why it hasn't been shared as far and wide is because it's so long. We made a cut down of it that you can see on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page. That's about two out, two minutes and 15 seconds. But the key points are he's handcuffed. He gets in a scuffle with a female corrections officer, ends up pulling her hair. He gets tackled to the ground. Uh, about four, three or four people are on top of him. One guy in particular, at one point you can see is on top of him with his hands around his neck and stays that way for a good six minutes. And then after that six minutes, they pick him up and drag him to a chair. He's motionless already at that point, as far as I can tell. They take him into a cell, put him there. And then in the, in the video, you can see a few minutes later, they come and take him out, give him CPR, and he appears to be already dead. And, and there in the bottom of the, of the screen is the man with his hands around his neck. Uh, the video is not that clear. So it's not as clear as with Derek Chauvin, where you can see it happen. It's really in your face. There's no question what's going on. But they didn't even show the video. How uh, malpractice, how much of a malpractice is that for them not to even show the video to the grand jury, Eric? Uh, from my perspective, perspective, it's outrageous. I mean, imagine if there was a grand jury set up uh, in the George Floyd death and prosecutors decided not to show the video that we've all seen to that grand jury and no charges uh, were issued because of it. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a district attorney who's an officer of the court who's supposed to be pursuing justice, uh, not showing that crucial information to the grand jury. It seems outrageous. And it also seems in line with what we see in these cases often, which is DA's who are tight with law enforcement in the area, who make decisions like that. And I think one of the things that people need to really understand is how all powerful and how powerful our DAs are in this country. They have so much uh, power and leeway and authority over what happens, what charges get pressed, what cases get, get picked up. And in, especially in a place like Union City, I don't know if you've spent time there now, but for everybody to understand, Union City is where Andy, Rep. Andy Holt represents Union City. Uh, Rusty Grills represents Union City. It's West, North, Tennessee. It's a small town. These, these guys definitely know each other. Uh, do you have a sense of how that the coziness between the DA and law enforcement could be playing a part here? In my experience, that's often the case. I can't say specifically whether that was the case in this in instance, but I, I think that's a fair inference based on my years of experience. So where is the case now? What's going on with it? Why did this video just come out now? Well, the case is in uh, United States District Court for the Western District of Tennessee. This video came out now because we filed a document in federal court laying out our allegations in the case, and we thought it was important to put links of what happened in the complaint itself so that they would be part of the court record. 
And, 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 and I, I, I would add, uh, if you don't mind going back to the incident you discussed earlier where uh, Mr. Higgins was on the ground after the scuffle in the hallway, not only did uh, one officer have his hands gripped around Mr. Higgins's throat, but another officer just after Mr. Higgins's legs were shackled, and this, this one is the arresting officer, he literally got up and stood with his full body weight on Mr. Higgins. It's hard to see in the video, but there's a point in time where the arresting officer who was still at the scene, well, Mr. Higgins is down on the ground with his hands cuffed behind his back, his legs bound, and an officer has his hands around Mr. Higgins's throat. This other officer goes over and stands on him. You can see in the video where he gets several inches taller and he balances himself on the wall. So while one person was choking him and pressing on his neck, another large officer was standing on his body. The officer who stood on him continued to stand on him for about three minutes and only got off off of him when Mr. Higgins went limp. From that point forward, another two minutes passed where the officer who had his hands on Mr. Higgins's throat continued to grip his throat for two minutes after he went limp. Right. And so and, and it, it seems very much like what happened with the George Floyd case. They, they just kept on him despite what was going on. They wouldn't they wouldn't get off of him. And, and the problem is the video is not as clear as the George Floyd video. Right. So right. that is why this hasn't made headway, you know, and, and made the headlines the way that it, it might otherwise. And it's sort of sad that that's the situation that we're in where we have, we depend so much on video angles. By the way, people are saying that we got his name wrong in the headline. I think they're right about that. It's Sterling Higgins, not Sterling Harris. If we mislabeled that, apologies, yeah. and, and we will fix that. Apologies. Thank you for telling us that, Latasha and everybody else. And we will repost and make sure that we're clear about that. Um, yeah, sir, go, go ahead. You're right that the video is not uh, clear at that point in the encounter. It does become clear when they spend seven minutes strapping this limp and seemingly lifeless man into a restraint chair. And it is clear we have footage of him inside the cell where they took him. It is clear that he's sitting there motionless, limp, non-responsive for another 15 minutes. That is clear. But your your overall point is a very good one because the the prevalence of cell phones on our streets has led to a public awakening of excessive police force, a long overdue racial justice uprising because so many of these things have been shown. But the public needs to know that the type of conduct that we see in videos like the Eric Garner video and the George Floyd video and so many others, that type of conduct also happens in jails and prisons across our country, often in horrific ways. Um, Hundreds of Americans die in our county jails each year. And because there are no cell phones in our jails, there are typically surveillance cameras, but they're not everywhere and they're, they're not uh, you know, not, they're not HD footage. So these cases are challenging, but I think we need to know that, you know, black lives don't just matter outside prison walls. They matter equally inside. 
That's really well said. And the case that I'm thinking of as you're talking about that is Sandra Bland and how she her life ended after a traffic stop in Texas, I believe, and nobody knows what happened still. And they just say, oh, it was suicide and it's written off. It's happening all throughout the country right now. We've seen three hangings that we've learned about in the last week. I mean, I, yeah, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, I, I've, I'll, I'll give you a snapshot of some of my jail and prison cases. I recently represented the family of a man named, a black man named Terrell Thomas, who was in a mental health crisis himself and taken to the Milwaukee County Jail run by the infamous Sheriff David Clark. And they treated his mental health crisis as a behavioral problem and threw him in solitary confinement and then shut off his water, his only source of water, and kept it off for seven days. He died of profound dehydration. I have another case right now involving an 18-year-old mentally ill kid who uh, was deprived of water for four days and died. I've had plenty of cases of brutal beatings inside jails, uh, people, diabetics, uh, people with high blood pressure deprived of needed medication who die because of that, people who are on death's door and are not taken to the hospital just because the often privatized jail wants to save money, people who are going through life-threatening alcohol and prescription drug withdrawal, uh, you name it, what goes, what goes on in our nation's jails and prisons is a horror story. And especially now during the pandemic, we've seen them essentially abandoned and so many of these outbreaks are happening. We have, I think the highest per capita is in the area where uh, the Bledsoe County Prison is. Highest per capita virus cases in the country is right here in Tennessee because of the prison outbreaks. So yes, we've seen that all over the place. So what exactly are you all looking for now? What do you want to see happen? What is, uh, what's the ask right now from the court? Well, we're gonna aggressively pursue uh, justice in this forum, which sadly is often, in fact, usually the only form of justice that there is in these cases, because uh, these cases are rarely criminally prosecuted. Uh, the civil justice system is the only avenue for the family, surviving family members to have their day in court. And we're going to dig deeply into this case. Once, once we're in federal court, we have certain powers under the court's authority that allow us to gather policies and procedures and training records and personnel files and uh, witness statements and interviews. And we, we get to learn a lot more than we know right now. And we another thing we get to do is uh, interview the involved officers. Which never happened, right? You know, it happened, but it happened in the context that it usually does, which is a softball two minute interview where none of the uh, pertinent questions are asked. So our, our depositions under oath of these folks will be as long as eight hours where we can repeatedly go over it and ask them why they did what they did and, and call them on things that are inconsistent uh, with the video. You know, you have officers describing him as fighting in the restraint chair. Uh, really? Yes, really. Uh, and you have people completely misrepresenting what happened on the ground, uh, even though this man was handcuffed and leg bound and could not possibly pose a, a threat, let alone one that would uh, allow the use of deadly force. 
Right. So they just they think they're going to be able to get away with it because they know the DA is probably not going to follow through with anything. And then now it requires the legwork and thankfully a video to reignite the fire. Uh, why don't they ever have sound on the video in those places? They're your classic surveillance uh, cameras that are attached to the walls and they typically don't come with sound. There, there are some jails that uh, bring out handheld cameras and sometimes film incidents like this where there is sound. It would be great if all jails had that, but right. in 99% of the cases, that's, that's not there. Sound is the smallest part of that file. So, you know, I'm speaking as a video guy now. It's really not that much more to ask to have a sound file attached to those videos. Are all of those people in the video still working at the prison or jail? Or the police force. Remember, this is a unique case because it combines a police officer who was the arresting officer that brought Mr. Higgins to jail, and it involves jail guards who are working at the jail. My current understanding is that they're all still employed, that no one was disciplined, suspended, or had any corrective action taken against them. But I can't, I can't say that for sure. I, I can just go from experience and, you know, doing this 20 years, uh, over 20 years, I've only, th I think I've only had one case where criminal charges were filed and, uh, and people were re removed from their posts. So I don't have any reason to think that this will be any different. Right. I mean, that's the problem is until we pierce that veil of invincibility by having some accountability, these things are going to keep happening because they just, in a sense, shoot first and ask questions later. And that's what we saw with Derek Chauvin. He knew he, knew he was on video and he was still doing it because he just exactly. didn't think there was going to be any accountability. And that seems to be what happened here. And they just got to go on with their lives. And they knew they were in good hands with the DA. I believe his name is Tommy Thompson. Tommy Thompson. I believe that's right. Tommy Thompson, yes. We have a lot of DAs who are out of control in the state. I don't know if you've been privy to what's gone on over in Coffee County. There was a guy who basically said that he's not going to obey the Supreme Court ruling on marriage equality, and nobody's doing anything about it. He just says, no, I'm not going to listen to you about marriage equality. I'm the DA. Tough noogies. His name is Craig Northcott. We broke that story about six months ago, and nothing happened to him. Wow. So, you know, in a, in a sense, there's uh, – and these are always the constitutional conservatives. You know, they're the ones that say how faithful they are to our laws and the ideas that this country was founded on. And they also seem to be the ones that have no use for them when push comes to show. Uh, so, Eric, how can people stay involved? How can they what can they do, if anything? What's the next step that they should look out for? Well, um, you know, we're going to do our job representing this family and plowing forward and uncovering the truth. I would say that it would be great if people followed the case and followed any new developments. Uh, at some point, not too far down the road, we're going to get a, a second opinion from another forensic pathologist on the true cause and manner of death here. Uh, there will be motions as there always are to try to dismiss our case, uh, sometimes on grounds of qualified immunity, uh, which is being talked about quite a bit in the news now because there have been some bills introduced in Congress to abolish that doctrine, which I fully support because that's one more thing that makes it harder to hold the police accountable. And it's a ridiculous 
Supreme Court created doctrine that makes no sense and puts the police above the law. Right. And when uh, it puts the police above the law, it makes everybody, it makes the whole world more dangerous because people are more afraid. Police are more on edge. Like we're just looking at this whole thing backwards. And, you know, if we can actually flip it and bring accountability into the situation, everybody will be better for it, especially good cops who are behaving the right way. Eric, I just want to tell you, somebody just said that uh, James Gray just said, one is now a school SRO, wonderful. One's a deputy out of the jail and one's still working in the jail. So that's where those three are. I appreciate that that information. I would say that since you're in Tennessee, if any of your viewers have information like that or information uh, about what happened or, or, or if there are any former corrections officers who worked in that jail that have some things to say, we'd welcome anyone contacting us. Okay, and you know where to find us. We're the tnholler at gmail.com. If you have anything to say, we'll make sure to connect you with Eric. Uh, we're connected with him now, so feel free to reach out to us, or if you can get to Eric, that's great too. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask was we saw with something that happened here in Nashville, the first thing they did when there was uh, a sense that the DA in Nashville and Davidson County was compromised was move it to a different county. Is there any sense that that might happen here where they might move it away from the DA who is obviously has a history with this already and has shown that he's not really that interested in finding out the truth? I doubt it. And our case doesn't really have anything to do with the DA uh, other than, you know, we're, we're uh, puzzled and a little bit outraged that he didn't show that video to the, to the grand jury, but our, our case, he doesn't have any jurisdiction over our case, and uh, we're in the federal forum where we need to be, and we have no desire to transfer transfer it elsewhere. I, I would, um, going back to your other question about what people could do, uh, I think that the protests and calls for justice that are going on nationwide are making a difference. Things are, eyes are getting uh, opened, and uh, to the extent that people want to peacefully protest what happened to Sterling Higgins locally, I mean, this, this case has been covered by the New York Times and CNN and some other national media outlets, but I'm not sure that it's getting the attention it deserves on the ground in Tennessee where it happened. And people can make calls to their uh, local public officials and ask the important questions and demand answers and demand justice and, you know, march on his behalf and say his name, just like all the other names. Where should they direct that to? Like if there is an office to be marched on, like where is the best place to point that now? Is it the mayor's office there? Is it the state capitol here? Is it the, the jail there where it happened, where is the best place for people to focus their efforts if they were going to have a protest of that sort? I think the mayor's office would be a good place. I think the O'Brien County Jail would be a good place. And I think the Union uh, City Police Department or Sheriff's Office would be a good place. Okay, well, those are all good things to know. And, and if anybody I is on the ground in Union City and wants our help, spreading awareness of a march like that, of an event like that, 
we're here to help with that for sure. And, you know, we do know people over in that area that we would gladly connect y'all with. So please reach out if somebody wants to take the lead on that. And thank you. And please uh, take it from me. The family does not want any violent protests. Uh, I know that 99.99% of the protests across the country have been perfectly peaceful and, and that they, they, they know that Sterling would not want, you know, fires started and rocks thrown through windows and that type of thing. So, but, but that the family would love to see support on the ground from people out there. Okay. And I just want to end it with one sort of hopeful note. Uh, even though for the most part, there was a, a blue wall of silence when Eric Garner, when this happened to him, uh, just today, we have now heard from a former New York Police Department spokesman who put on Instagram saying, I'm fully aware that some of my cop friends may call me a traitor, a hypocrite, or even unfollow me. I'm okay with that. We killed Eric Garner. We punished him for resisting arrest. We watched him die. We didn't even sit him up and render basic aid. It was a horrible injustice that is forever a part of our history, he says. So that is a former NYPD spokesman coming out and saying that and owning that. And so if there is anybody who was involved with this incident or is in or around Union City and has some information around it, I am sure that that spokesman is breathing easier today, feeling better about himself. And you will, too, if you come forward and talk about the truth of what happened here with Sterling Higgins. So let's try to get to the truth. Let's try to get to the bottom of it. And I appreciate that you're pushing for the family, Eric, and I, I hope you find some justice and, and what you're looking for. Please keep us posted uh, as things develop. Thank you. And I greatly appreciate you covering this story, as does the family. Appreciate that. TNHoller.com is where you can find us and subscribe. We send out emails Tuesdays and Fridays with a wrap-up of all the different things going on in Tennessee. There's so much stuff to cover. Subscribe there and follow us at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. And Eric is at Eric Hyped on Twitter. Eric, thank you so much. Okay, you take care. Tennessee. Tennessee.